because there is a lack of understanding from the customer doesn't mean that you can gouge them. It doesn't make it right. This is the Solar Disruption Theory. Welcome back to another episode of the Solar Disruption Theory podcast. We've brought back Brett Bushy, our CEO. Um, the first episode we did, we interviewed you and and got a little bit more insight into your life, your background, kind of how freedom got here. So um, great to have you back. Thanks for for joining us again, Brett. And uh, before we get started, I, I know last time we talked about how much you've been playing pickleball, you still look just as tan, so I'm guessing you're still playing pickleball, but your right hand is not very tan. Have you, are you like a hand model now on the side, or what's going on with that? I just wear a pickleball glove, so it uh, looks a little strange. My wife doesn't like it, but um, that's the reality of uh, being out there in the sun and having your hand covered up. I, I would not have pegged pickleball as a, uh, as a gloved sport, but I, I heard LeBron James just bought an interest in like a professional pickleball team. So did you hear about that? Yeah. Major league pick, uh, pickleball and Kevin Durant is now playing it. Draymond green bought a team. So I thought I was out of the investment, the sports investment world, but maybe I'll get back into it. I actually mentioned that to my wife and she said, absolutely not. You, you asked your wife, Hey, what if we bought a, a pickleball team, a major, major league <laughs> pickleball team. So, and maybe I could like be the amateur and fill in if somebody pulls a hammy or something like okay. that. We'll see. Okay. So you, you haven't thought about that at all then just dreamed about playing pickleball with LeBron on his pro team. I, I, I would crush LeBron right now. <laughs> all right. So LeBron is too focused on basketball, but, um, if he starts playing a lot, he will be tough to beat with his length. Well, as far as uh, growth, I think the only thing that's growing faster than the sport of pickleball is freedom forever. So um, let's get right into it. Today, we wanted to talk a little more in depth about some of the things we talked about in episode one, and primarily around um, an aspect of the solar business that I don't think a lot of people are aware of exists unless you're inside of the business, which is the sales and marketing aspect of solar. So uh, when you first bought an interest into Freedom Forever back in 2015. Um, I know, you know, you thought that maybe the financing route was going to be the direction you wanted to take it. And then you looked into maybe the sales and marketing. You ended up settling in the, in the ops space um, and thinking that, you know, that's what we need to focus on is becoming the best and largest installer of solar. What was your, what was your impression of those three different industries or parts of the industry and uh, how they kind of play into one another when you first got involved with Freedom? Yeah, the first 90 days, whenever I purchase a business, I'm just going through and I'm evaluating everything. And when I went into this, I needed to buy an EPC to learn everything about it. As you talked about, um, I thought I would end up in the finance space because of my investment banking background. Uh, but as I started you know, grasping this and grasping the fact that no one could install uh, solar at scale, I knew that was the direction that we needed to go as a business. Uh, but when I broke down the financials back in 2014, year prior to me owning the company, uh, Greg was the 100% sole proprietor. Uh, the company did 72 installs, 1.7 million in revenue, but they did over $500,000 of profit. And um, we're going to talk a lot about numbers probably in this podcast. 
And so just so everyone knows, that's about a 32% um, uh, pre-tax profit. And uh, that's a considerable sum. When you break it down on a per watt basis, you're talking about $1.40 a watt, which was crazy. And so I remember after I got through that first 90-day evaluation period, I went and sat down with Greg and said, hey, I've got a great plan. We're going to scale this thing. We're going to do all this. We're going to create standard operating procedures. We'll eventually turn it into an intuitive software. But right now, we are going to disrupt the industry by taking less margin. He goes, what do you mean by that? I go, we are going to operate at a 6% margin. Last year, we were making $1.40 a watt on every project at a 32% margin. We're going to slice that to 6%. All right, we're going to do that, bring the cost down to the customer, and no one else is doing that. Everybody's trying to make a dollar a watt, and we are going to transform the industry by taking less margin. And I remember his look. Yeah, how did he react? Um, it wasn't positive. You know, we didn't know each other that well. And he goes, all right, so I sold a majority of my business, and now we are going to slice our margins, all right? by five, six. So we're going to make about 20% of what we've made historically in the past. And, um, I don't think he loved it. And, uh, but he did have the faith and the trust, um, that we were going to do something special at that point, even after 90 days, we had already tripled the amount of sales that we were doing. So there was some exciting things. And, you know, again, as I said, in the first podcast, he's, he's been a a great partner. He's kind of let me do my thing. And, uh, uh, and I think it was a great decision. Yeah. I mean, you look at the growth that freedom has had, would you attribute a lot of the growth to that philosophy of, of driving down your own margins in, in addition to all of the other costs associated with solar in the first episode, we talked about, you know, the economies of scale and how we can grow by making our company more efficient through technology, through standard operating procedures. But shrinking your own margins that sounds somewhat counterintuitive to how a business would would be able to grow and it does and it's it it's the philosophical difference of before i talked about uh making money off of the arbitrage between the private and public sector what i didn't say in that podcast is that i was in and out in 2 to 3 years so i had a yeah. very short term mentality of dressing up the company getting a higher valuation and selling it immediately now I have completely different. So um, if we were public, I couldn't talk about operating at a lower margin. In fact, publicly traded companies come out and they see their margins go down by 10% and their stock tanks. So, um, but that has been, I think, one of the secrets to our success. And I'm proud that we're still operating in that 6% margin. So when we break that down on a per watt basis, that's only about 25 cents per watt. I want to make sure that everybody understands that out there. Cause a lot of people, when I meet with sales partners, I ask them how much they think we make on a project. Our average project is $34,000. It's an 8,500 watt system in that we are trying to make, all right, about 15, 16, 1700, $1,800 on that project. So we're very proud of that. That's one of the reasons we've been able to fuel our growth. Um, we continue to invest in things like software that know other people, and that's part of that expense. Um, so it's been incredible growth strategy. Yeah, I remember 
you know, when I first got involved with Freedom, you were saying we only wanted to make $1,400 per project, but the percentage hasn't changed. It's just that system sizes seem to have increased over the past several years. Is that is that accurate? That is absolutely accurate. So when we started, we were a California company and our average system size was about 6,500 watts. Now we went into markets like Texas and Arizona and Florida where you know your average system size is 10,000 watts. So your average right now today is about 8,500 watts installed. All right, so, so by shrinking your margins, by shrinking the, the costs of freedom to install a project, that's what's fueled our growth. But one aspect of the solar business, this whole process that has not shrunk, it's actually gone up over time, is the sales and marketing commission that gets paid out to, to the dealers, the sales organizations, the marketing companies, whichever strategy different companies use or whatever model it is. Um, what amount, so of the $34,000 that the average system costs today, how much of that is going to sales reps uh, or, or at least the sales and marketing dealers? The dealers get um, approximately a dollar a watt on a self-generated deal. So on a $34,000 project, it's $8,500. And as we've been able to decrease um, our, our baselines, which we have done several times over the last seven years, it hasn't translated into a lower commission per watt. So that is the one thing that does frustrate me is that I know we brought it down to the consumer, but it should be coming down more. And um, a lot of people talk about in sales that they're selfless and they're servant leaders, but the reality is their actions don't follow that. And what is even crazier is of that dollar a watt is what percentage of that goes down to the sales rep. And so I know there's a lot of sales reps that listen to this podcast and I, and right now they're probably going a dollar a watt. I'm only making 40 cents or 50 cents or 60 cents. And that's frustrating. Where is the rest of that money going? Now I know freedom right now. We're very transparent. We're making about 25 cents a watt, but where does that additional 40 to 60 cents a watt go? I think I know. Um, it's in the sales leadership stack. It's you know the way the way that a lot of the sales dealers are built. Because I used to be a sales dealer, is you create a structure where sales reps go and originate customers, and they need to be managed. They need to be trained. They need to be um, you know there needs to be someone that answers their questions and handles their problems. And so there is kind of this hierarchy of sales leadership that, in my opinion is absolutely necessary and and provides a lot of value to the sales rep, especially early on. Um, and so it's the way that I've seen it done most of the time in this business is that that money gets kind of incrementally paid up to the leadership stack. And, um, you know, when I first came to Freedom, there was this this analogy that, that I think uh, you were talking about, somebody had said it to you of, of like a seven layer dip. So what is the seven layer dip? Yeah, simply put is somebody else actually came up with it, but a seven layer dip is a like Tex-Mex casserole dish that you use to dip tortilla chips into. But the reality is the most expensive item in the seven layer dip is the guacamole. 
And what they do is they add a bunch of things that are cheaper, like sour cream, cheese, refried beans, all those types of things. But the reality is that everybody wants the guac. All right. And, and our industry is very much like the seven layer dip is that there's all these people that are making money off of this sales, which I think is, is important. Like you talk about sales leadership and how important that is. I don't have a problem with that. All right. What I have a problem is what percentage of the sale they make. All right. And how many people are making money off of a sales rep? You've got the ownership of the company, which they have to make a profit. I get it. I understand that. Then you typically have a CRO or a VP of sales. Then underneath them, you have a district manager. Then you have an assistant, assistant district manager. Then you have a recruiter on top of that. Now you have five or six hands in this. And the sales rep is only making 40 to 50% of the commission stack. That is wrong. I talked also on the earlier podcast about my Christian faith. All right. In Matthews 5:14, they talk about we need to be a light of this world. And we need to be a light in this industry. We need to expose this practice. Now, I will tell you, leadership is not only important. And one of the things I want to uh, talk about is door-to-door sales. Door-to-door sales, a lot of people in our industry are trying to figure out a way to eliminate door-to-door sales. They don't think it's healthy. It is incredible. The more I understand it, the more I become a fan of door-to-door sales. It is incredible. I think it's really important in this industry because the rate plans are going to get more complex with utilities and you're going to need another smart person at the kitchen table explaining the value uh, process for the customer. And it is so important that that gets done. But the negative about door-to-door, a lot of it is rooted in MLM and these pyramid schemes, and it's wrong. You can't have a infinite amount of people making money off of the sale. There needs to be a finite percentage that goes to leadership. And I believe that number needs to be close to 10% on everything. You have the sales company make 10%, you have sales leadership make 10%, and the 80% needs to go to the sales rep. And if they do that and you have a selfless sales rep, they're going to be able to lower their cost to the customer by 40 cents a watt and make the same commission. That's how you disrupt. That's how you change the sales industry. We need to disrupt it just like we've done the installation side of the business. And we need to expose. And we have every sales leader is if they hear this and they listen to this podcast, they're not going to want their sales reps to listen to this because they know what they're doing is fundamentally wrong. They may rationalize it in their own mind that it's okay, but it's not all right, all right, to take $1,000 for every single install that happens. There's not another industry that does it other than MLM, all right? And that's how the door-to-door industry needs to get the respect. It's not about how they sell. It's amazing how they sell. It's the comp structure that has been done in that industry for the last 20 to 30 years, and we need to change it. All right, so I got to play devil's advocate a little bit. If 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 that much of the commission structure is going to the sales rep, the one who's knocking doors, and I agree with you, you know, the door-to-door industry gets a bad there's a stigma, but it's not the industry itself. It's it's 
a lot of the things, the, the way that people kind of treat the door-to-door uh, business or run their own businesses. Um, you know, solar is one of those products that I don't know any better way than to do it door-to-door. I had a buddy of mine tell me, yeah, it's, you know, you, you get to see their roof before you even knock the door. And so if their house is covered in trees, you don't even knock the door. You, you don't waste time. Whereas a lot of other marketing practices, you know, there's a lot of time wasted. So agree with you that in-home door-to-door sales is absolutely the way to go with solar. But if you pay that much to the sales rep, I mean, a lot of these sales reps, especially a good sales rep, I mean, they're already making more than doctors and lawyers. And so are you just trying to pay them more? Like what is the eventual goal with paying more money to someone who's already, you could argue, being compensated very well. The goal is to compress the cost stack to the customer. All right, we talk about really accelerating the rate of residential solar adoption in this country. We need to drive down the costs. We've done it on the installation side, but we haven't done it on the sales side. And how we've done it on the installation side is to continue to eliminate inefficiency. Eliminate people making margin on the cost stack. And we've done it a myriad of different ways. Right now, there is no need to have six people making money off of the sales process. It just doesn't make sense. It's usually one leader that is the one managing that guy or that girl. Why do we need six? And five of those people have little to no contact with that one. And so, yes, There is value in the swag. Yes, there is value in the trips. Though that cost is negligible when you look at the dollar per watt. It's a joke, right? One of the frustrating things of our industry is the opacity of the sales process. Customers still don't know what they're getting or what it should cost. So we have to be the company that is the light. I'm going to keep mentioning that where we say, this is how it should be sold. And there's still plenty of money in it for the sales leadership. When you think about if you have a sales um, team that is doing 100 sales in a month, and even if you're making four cents a watt or three cents a watt, that is a significant amount of money. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's it's not right what is going on. And the people that are being taken advantage of is the customer. If the customer truly understood how much was going, think about that. 26% of the cost of solar goes to the sales stack. Show me another industry other than MLM that does that. It doesn't exist. So why do we continue to do it? It's because the customer doesn't understand it yet. We have to be mentally prepared that the customer is going to understand that in the future and there's going to be compression. We need to get ahead of it. We need to be the company that does that. We need to stand up and say, this is wrong. There's companies out there that make me just, it makes me crazy that they talk about, we are a great sales organization and we are going to sell higher because we are a great sales organization. There's companies out there. One just went bankrupt. Yeah. All right. And um, I'm glad they went bankrupt. I'm glad they went out of business. Yeah. And the finance companies can see how high that some of these sales organizations are selling at, and they should be shutting them down 
They should say, no, we're not going to allow you on our platform because you're selling too high. There's companies out there that are selling 50 cents, a dollar, a dollar 50 more than average. Those people need to go away. They are a, a, they are an, they are a risk to our entire industry and I'm tired of it. And the company that went bankrupt, there's other ones that are out there. They might not be as bad, but they're bad. If, if somebody is telling you that you need to sell higher, you need to leave that company. It's just that simple. It's wrong. You don't need to sell higher. And we've done a lot of different things between our rev share that just make us different than everyone else. And it's why we are growing. But ultimately, we are in a period where we're seeing rising equipment costs and rising capital costs. And the only way to combat that is to be more efficient. So the harsh reality today is solar is going to cost more. Even if you factor in the ITC tax credit going from 26 to 30, 30%, it still doesn't offset the increased capital costs that are coming down the pike. And they're going to get worse before they're going to get better. But we can't control that. What we can control is eliminating the inefficiency that plagues our industry. Yeah, um, I think... If I were a, um, you know, because I work with the sales leaders and sales dealers, uh, and I think our dealers are the best in the industry, right? I mean, I, I would I put our sales leaders and sales dealers against anybody in, in the solar business. And I think their response to a lot of this would be, well, hey, our competition is the utility. And when you compare the customer's bill today with their utility, versus their new bill with solar, yeah, we're making a lot of money and there's this big, huge commission payment that goes out to all of our sales leaders and the entire stack. Um, they're all mostly you know, working, at least supporting and helping these guys generate these sales, keeping them motivated. At the end of the day, as long as they're saving money against the cost of their utility, what's the problem? The problem is, is that like you were entering states. So that works in California, but why can we only create first year cost savings in 22 out of the 50 states? You can't do that. And you can't say that in Washington. You can't say that in Tennessee. So, so what you're trying to do is manipulate the fact that there is an absolute inequity of in California, like California, the costs are so much higher than any other state. In some states, they're three times higher. And we are trying to make so much money. It's, it's egregious. It's not right. So just because you can save somebody else money because they don't understand it. So if you went out and it was like any other industry, and it was crystal clear what the cost of your system was, no one would be paying, all right, the dollar a watt for commissions. They wouldn't. But it's only because of the lack of understanding, because so many people don't even know what, uh, you know, a kilowatt hour is. Yeah. Yeah. It is so hard to get your mind wrapped around. It's so much easier for gas, but that is going to change. And because there is a lack of understanding from the customer doesn't mean that you can gouge them. It doesn't make it right. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, the analogy that always gets used is, and I think it's a, a good one, is Back in the early 90s, nobody understood like how cell phone minutes and, you know, the whole 
data and rate plans worked with cell phones because it was so new. But you're saying that at some point, people are going to start paying attention to their electricity bills, try, start learning how their billing actually works, generation costs, price per kilowatt hour. And as they become more educated, it's going to naturally come down anyway because they'll know what they're dealing with versus customers who are are not as educated as to what they're being charged. And they're just looking at my monthly bill today versus my monthly bill with solar. And, and that's where, that's where, do you think that's where the majority of the, the cost compression is going to come from is from, from customers becoming more educated to this? Correct. Think, think about using the cell phone analogy. So think back of when only one out of 25 people had a cell phone. What was the cost for a minute to be on the phone back then? I don't even know, but it's probably 100x, 200x. I don't know, but why did it change? There was a lot of people that would have said, hey, I just don't want it to change. I'm making so much money on the minutes and I don't want the industry to grow. But what we want is we want it to go from 4% of the country, which is what the current rate of um, residential homes that have solar on it, one out of 25. We want that to become two out of 25. We want it to become five out of 25. We want it to eventually become... 20 out of 25, then at that point, everybody is going to understand this. Everybody is already, if you own an electric car, you immediately start figuring out what is your new cost of gas, which is electricity. And that is going to change. Why not get ahead of it? Because people are confused and they don't understand it is not a license to steal from them. All right. And a lot of people think that's too strong. It's not. Remember, we're competing against utilities that are monopoly, all right? It's literally one of the last industries that are regulated by the United States, but they don't even understand how much a utility is overcharging a customer. It is, it needs to change. And we have to be the agent of change. And we just can't let the fact that other people, the utility is taking advantage of the customer as a rationale that we're going to take advantage of the customer. And that's what that line of argument or that line of reasoning takes you down. All right. So let's say, let's say somebody does this. Somebody takes your advice and they build out a business model where the vast majority, the, the 80% or close to it gets paid out to the sales rep and the sales leadership shares the other 10%. And then the company takes 10% and, you know, that would probably take their EBITDA down to roughly the same as freedom, right? Like a six, 7% EBITDA. Um, what do you think would happen to that company? Why, why is that so different or transformative? We've been able to grow significantly faster than most other companies. When I first came to freedom, I mean, you've been saying this to me forever, that more money needs to get paid out to the rep. Um, and I think we've done that. I think we've created something where it's better than anybody else out there. The, the comp structure is more advantageous to the field. We're paying as a company more to dealers than we ever have before. So I guess what makes what you're saying so much better than what we're currently seeing right now? Even in our own sales companies, and now I'm going to criticize people that I work with that are close friends that... Um, I mentor, um, they're not paying out enough, all right? And they pay out more than anyone that's out there, which is kind of your argument. Right. But um, it can be more. 
And if you want to build the first billion dollar sales company in solar, it can be done. This model will make it happen. Now, in this model, you might only make $60 million when you do a billion dollars worth of commissions. Yeah. But whoever does this first is going to have such a competitive advantage in the marketplace. They will dominate the 1099 industry and they will roll up everyone underneath them. Most importantly, it's going to expose everyone else. And if you can't figure out a way to compete, um, you're in big trouble. And what you're going to need to do is to make sure you try to build a cult that no one looks outside the cult and like a, a sales cult where, because you can't compete with this and this will absolutely work just like it did on the installation side of the business. Now, no installation companies are trying to make a dollar 40 a watt anymore. It's because of us yeah. it's, and other companies have followed us, but we have become dominant and don't feel sorry for us because we're going to do, you know, close to 2 billion in sales. And you can do the math on a 6% margin. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And you can do that on the sales side of the business. But so often the sales leaders are just constrained by their boundaries of thought of what's happened in the past. This will absolutely work. And whoever steps up and does it first, you are going to see the largest sales organization. And again, they have to be great leaders. All right. If you do this and you don't have great leadership and you don't have true servant leadership, it won't work. But if you have true servant leadership, and what is the definition of servant leadership? It's serving the people around you. Is serving the people around you taking 50% of the commission for the guy that's out there literally knocking doors at 110 degree heat, you know, in the snow in the Northeast? No, it's not. So, so just do me a favor. If you're going to post something on social media about how much money you make or how you're investing all the money you made in real estate, don't talk about effing servant leadership. It's not. Servant leadership is putting people first. And I'm tired of people using cliches like that and not walking the walk. That's what needs to change. This model will work. And it will explode. And it will also, people that work in door-to-door -door will be absolutely proud to work in it. And you know what? Those leaders that went from 50% or they were making 20% or 30% and now they're making 5%, you mark my words, within 12 to 24 months, they will make more money than they've ever made in their life. Even though they're making less per install than they ever have because their amount of volume will go up exponentially. So less per project, less per watt, however you want to put it, but the overall volume will outpace that exponentially. Correct. So, I mean, even if you cut your override by 75%, that means your volume has to go up by 4X to make the same amount of money. Yeah. But if it goes up 10X, you made 2.5 the amount of money that you were making charging 4X and doing it wrong. And if you're a great leader, you will do that. And you know what? Like no one can compete with you. Think about how many more sales you can make when you go into the home and you can sell to the customer at 20, 30, 40 cents a watt cheaper, or you get an ad or an additional expense 
that you didn't know was on the project, you can just eat it because you've sold it higher. It's it it will absolutely work. But a lot of people say, hey, leaders won't accept that. All right. Well, I can just tell you right now, if you're a great leader and you don't accept it, you are going to get steamrolled because this will work. And I know I'm going to make a lot of people mad. I don't even know why I should be talking about it on a podcast because this, if you're a leader, you might not want to come to freedom because of this, because, and let's call it what it is because you're selfish. And if you're selfish, I don't really care if you're here. That's one of the reasons I was so concerned about doing this particular podcast, but I started thinking about it. Those are not the types of leaders we want. And we talk about the importance of servant leadership at Freedom, but if we're going to disrupt the sales industry, we need those same servant leaders. And I know they're out there and I know people know this is wrong and I know they want to do it and they don't have the blueprint to fix it. And here it is. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, it does kind of take a leap of faith, right? Like they need to be willing to take less now in order to, I mean, the, the, they'll make more later. And I think Freedom's model has proven that on the ops side. Uh, the, the reason why nobody's done it on the sales side, I guess, I mean, it, it takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of guts because one thing I've learned in sales is like, you can always tell a sales rep you're going to pay him more. But if something like this doesn't work, you got to tell them you can, you gotta, you're going to pay them less again. And that's one thing you can never do. That rep will, will leave you. And so this like has to work. It, it's going to take a lot of guts for somebody to do it. But your argument is you'll make more in the long run than everyone else. And you'll roll up all of the other sales reps, all of the other people in the industry. The one thing that I always think about is like, I don't know how many people there. There's probably somewhere between 10 and 20,000 door-to-door sales reps that are selling various different products with, with the income potential that, that what you're proposing could create is sort of a, an opportunity for people that aren't even in the direct home or in-home sales business to, to get involved. And it feels like that would kind of snowball into all sorts of other industries. I definitely can see it, but I could also see how companies would be reluctant. Um, and these leaders that, that you're talking about that are, that are getting paid. I mean, I, I want to say that the regional manager, which you skipped in that seven layer dip, they are extremely valuable in my opinion, because they manage culture. They, they do a lot of recruiting. They kind of keep things together. You're not saying they shouldn't get paid. They shouldn't make a ton of money. They should just make less per project and their business will grow right? That, that is absolutely correct. But what you can't do is you can't have infinite layers. So there has to be a finite stack of costs that goes to leadership. And as you add more layers, people have to make a smaller percentage. So in that sense, let's say it's 10 cents a watt. You can still have six people in there, but it all has to add up. There has to be, you know, the direct leader gets four cents. This guy gets one cents. This guy gets a penny and a half, but it cannot ever go above the 10 cents. And that is the biggest mistake that people make. They just start layering on. Well, I want to make five cents. I want to make four cents. And all of a sudden the cost stack becomes 40%. Yeah. And, and then they use the argument of the swag and everything like that. Those 
are really important. I cannot stress that enough. Experiences, um, very cool, great for building culture, but they're a small percentage of large sales organizations. It's not a big percentage. And I know there's going to be sales organizations that are not going to, this is not going to go over well. And I just don't, I don't care. All right. They're doing it wrong. And um, it's hard to be a trailblazer sometimes. And people resist change. And it's a great industry that has the wrong comp model. And I'm convinced if you can fix the comp model, you will have everyone in the door-to-door industry. And as you say, it's not the 10 to 20,000 of people that are, they're constantly just fighting over those people. All right. We have, you know, a hundred million adult Americans that are between 18 and 35. That's our target. Not the 10 to 20,000 people have a tendency of thinking so small. We have to get people from outside our industry That needs to be 90% of our sales force going forward because of the growth. Like it's not just the fact that one out of 25 people have solar. And so we have to convince the other 24 out of the 25. It's the fact that their energy consumption is going to double over the next 10 or 15 years with a fully electrified uh, home and electric vehicles. So I talked about it earlier. It's the greatest wealth creation opportunity of a lifetime. And I could argue that there's more money in the sales side of the business than there is on the installation side of the business. And I also would just want to give a shout out to like all of the sales reps that are out there um, knocking doors. I mean, I've done it on a very limited basis. I cannot believe what they do. And the two hardest jobs in renewable energy are getting on a roof and installing jobs and getting out there and knocking doors and eating what you kill. All right. It is a, it's a beast and it is hard. You're taking rejection all day long and it's incredible and they should be celebrated. But instead, so many people scoff, especially at the salespeople, because there's been so many bad experiences out of there. And, you know, we have a chance to change that. And You should be so proud of what you do. And again, I want to stress this enough. If you do it right, you should be making more money long-term. But most importantly, you should feel incredible about yourself. All right? And I will also tell you, a lot of people that maybe have never listened to this podcast will listen to it. And if you feel ashamed right now and you did it before, I'm sorry, but that's what light is. We are an industry that is shrouded in darkness and people do not understand this is not how corporate industries work and it has to change. But we have arguably the most important industry over the next 100 years can be driven by door to door. All right. That is amazing. It's such an opportunity for the direct to home industry. And they try to you know, different names because door-to-door has a negative connotation. It's amazing. It is the best way to sell solar. And we just have to do it right. And we have to change the compensation model. Okay. So one last question. If there was a, you know, young up-and-coming sales rep sitting in this seat right now, what would you say to him or her? 
the opportunity that you have in front of you is like nothing you will ever see in your entire lifetime. So, and I know that from experience. I'm going to be 54 uh, years old in February. And I wish I had this opportunity when I was 24. And um, to be able to change a customer's life by saving them money, to change the world by affecting climate change, and to make money doing that is just a bonus. And to make significant money is an opportunity that I never thought would ever exist. And I've done a lot of cool stuff in my life. I wish I was 24 and I had the knowledge I had. And I was right now in 2022 going into 2023 with this new, you know, inflation reduction act that was just passed. Um, the opportunity that's in front of us is just, um, transformative. I use that word a lot. I don't know how to say it any different, but, um, you can change people's lives and change your own family's lives and change the legacy of your family. And as a 22-year-old or a 24-year-old person that's sitting across from me, I'm saying that should, should be your legacy. Don't focus on the money. The money will come. You focus on changing that customer's life and changing this world and everything will fall into place. You will have the most fulfilled life that you could ever have. And in that, you'll realize what true wealth is. It's not the things that you accumulate in your life that are temporary. It's the rela relationships and the societal impact you made on other people's lives. And there's no better way to do that than being in Seoul. He is Brett Bushy. He is a man on a mission and nothing is going to stop him from achieving his goals. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your insight. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. Thank you, guys.